I am so glad that you're here. Thank you so much for being a part of this. It's time for some pod crashing. Episode number 219 is with Janice from the podcast Party Cruise, The Untold Story. Here is the one and only Errol Collins. Errol, you know what you need to do. She's all yours for the next 20. And, and you know, Michael, this is the one and only Janice who won that Gracie Award. Come on now. She needs to get credit for that. That's right. That is very right. Janice, the great Gracie. That's- <laughs> Good morning. Good morning. Congratulations on that award. I've worked with uh, two others that have won the Gracie Award, and it, it, it's an amazing place to be. And I love the pride when, when you put your hand on that trophy and you, you get to take it home. It's yours. You get to say it's mine. Definitely, definitely. And, and it serves as inspiration to do something like what you're doing right now with, with Party Cruise. And, and what I love about this, I know it's about the L.A. scene, but don't you agree that every town has their own party crew and we go through stories? Because I could so relate with your journey. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, I think it is relatable from city to city and like in various cultures. I feel like everyone has like a some kind of youth, right? Some kind of youth group or some kind of like subculture they were part of when they were young. And, you know, they did all the wild things together also. So I think, yeah, I definitely think it's relatable like across you know, across the country, like, you know, everywhere, really. And and it was always a great time until somebody from a different side of town came to the party. They got word of where we were going to be hanging out. And us, it was always the north side of Billings. It was like, oh, hell, this is going to this. We're, we're in trouble. We're in, we're done. Yeah. Yeah, what kind of what kind of music? What, what kind of what kind of music did you guys listen to? Oh, like there, what kind of out there in Montana? We were doing some Bob Seger. We were doing classic rock before it became classic rock. And so we, we had to have it loud. And we were we were keg diving before that even became cool. <laughs> you guys can't you guys how did you guys get the kegs you know let me tell you, I, you know, i've always said that being out in montana what would happen is is that the beer is so bad out there they were just giving it away the kids want it give it to them mate we'll, we'll try to make more <laughs> yeah they're like we need to get it off our shelves that's right and, and but, you know other than that i don't know how we got it i really don't because yeah. i mean it, i look at kids today go no 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 you are not going to do what i what <laughs> i did don't do it <laughs> yeah i feel like i feel like a parent who are my age are, are like the same way. They're just like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep more tabs on where my kids are. No, but I mean, you know, it's different. It's a different world. It was less connected, right? We're mm-hmm. in the digital age, and everything is just on the internet. Everything's so easy to find now. What was it like for you to step back into that zone where you guys used to release and have a great time? Because as a, as an adult, your your journey is is still evolving, but you're more complete. Yeah, um, you know, it was really interesting because I kind of went back and looked at this time, right? This like party time when I from when I was a teen, but it was I started kind of during 2021, so it was still like a, you know, kind of we were barely starting to go out again, like kind of really being comfortable with that. So I kind of was looking at this, you know, at a time where I was at home, not really doing much, not seeing my friends for months. Um and yeah, I mean, it, it was, it was hard because I just like, kind of, I don't know. I just like, I guess I just never really had thought about my teen years in a really long time um, for various reasons. You know, one being that a friend of mine was killed when mm-hmm. in the party scene when I was around 21. So I, I kind of just moved on and, and I was like hurt by that. And I hadn't looked back in a long time. Um, but yeah, no, I think, you know, I think it was very healing for me, you know, and I think um, I was old enough now. It was like 20 years ago for me um, that I felt OK to look back. And I think, you know, I I've like 
I don't know. I think I was okay. And I think it would have, if I would have done this like five years ago, maybe it wouldn't, I don't think I would have been ready. I just think it would, it wasn't too fresh because it's still 15 years later, but um, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I just felt, I don't know. I was, I was, you know, I felt really, um, I felt a lot better going, looking back and, you know, and I think like I was able to look back and, and not see the negative. I was able to see like some of the positives and yeah. I think that oh. helped me a lot. Yeah. Okay. You've been reading my notes because that's one of the things I was going to talk to you about. <laughs> I, I said that you know, that uh, the party cruise changed a lot of teens, but as, as a journalist now, not as the, the outside yeah. looking in as a journalist, what was positive about it? Yeah. Um, so for me, I kind of see it as, you know, um, a lot of young entrepreneurs, Mm -hmm. you know, I think like the party crew scene, because these party crews, um, and that's like crews spelled C-R-E-W-S, you know, a lot of these crews were teens and they were throwing parties and they were charging. And, you know, I think, you know, in in the series, you know, I kind of go into like what makes the party legal with um, a police that I interview, but I'm sorry, a captain that I interview, but, yeah. So like, you know, they were charging and like, you know, there's various ways to make money within that. Um, so for me, it was like, you know, we were kind of just making do with what we had, um, you know, in spaces that we could get in. You know, usually you'd pay like the owner of the house a couple hundred um, and then you get to like rent out the backyard for like the night. And then, you know, it's kind of like that. You like kind of like everyone kind of just like makes a little bit of profit. And for me, like that was how a lot of like event organizers started, you know, and a lot of like club promoters and people who ended up like having really successful nightlife careers. Um, And I think they all like kind of just learned how to do that, you know, in the scene. Um, And I guess like for me who, I mean, I didn't throw parties, but I was, I think I just found a space where I was able to let loose, like really let loose because I wasn't able to do that at home or, at school dances, you know, it's kind of like a real, it's like a different space. So those are the positive things. You're right about those entrepreneurs because I'll I'll tell you what, I got the party anatomy before I got into my grown up shoes after high school. It was like, okay, I don't need this anymore. It's time to put focus on success. But you're absolutely right about that because you know what we did in order to get into these parties, we created a band. Now we had to run the band like a business because we needed Mm -hmm. to get into these parties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think, Um, You know, those are just things you learn on the go, right? I think those are things that are hard to learn in school. That's like kind of what you learn when you're, uh, you know, in, um, I don't want to say in the streets, but like in the streets, you know, (laughs) like you learn, you just learn it outside in the real world. I got a question for you. How many people have come up to you that are younger in in the way that, because I mean, I know for a fact that you snuck out of that house and that becomes an art (laughs) itself, but the younger generation tends to come up to me and say, how did you get out? But what I try to do is I try to explain to him, there are you know, things you should not do if you sneak out of the house. And one of them was I, I fell off the, the, the clothesline and fell six feet oh. and hit my back because that was my oh. way out of the house. What yeah. what did you learn from sneaking out of the house? You're going to go, don't do it. It's not a good place. <laughs> um. So I so, you know, I grew up in L.A. Um, and it's. You know, we have like, well, I mean, there's two story houses, but there's also like, you know, we live in a one story and my bedroom was right next to my parents. I don't, well, my dad was a heavy sleeper, right? And he didn't work on the weekends because he used to work nights during the weekdays. But on the weekends, he would be home and he was such a loud snorer that I think because of that snoring, because it was so loud, my mom 
who really has like a sonic ears. She hears everything. Um, you know, I was able to really like, I would just make sure he's sleeping. So his snoring can really cover up my like sneaking out. Like, mm-hmm. so I would like close, like, you know, close, uh, open the door really slowly and then tiptoe with bare feet just to kind of escape. And then, you know, I would kind of time his snoring and then I would like kind of open the back door, you know, and I would like still like sneak out. And I sometimes would, you know, I would um, borrow the car. Um, and I'm I'm kind of shocked how no one heard the engine. Like, I, I don't know. I was, you know, I was like 16 and I was like, all right, let's go. Like, let, like no one got out. Like, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I just remember one. No, actually, I don't think I ever really got caught now that I remember. <laughs> yeah, my mom says she remembers once, but I don't think so. I'm like, All right, I'll let you think that. I'll let you think that. Yeah, you come home red eyed and mom would always say, what's wrong with your eyes? Mom, it's my contacts. If you don't get me a doctor's yeah. appointment real soon, there's just something wrong with my contacts. I know. I was like, I wish I could wear sunglasses because <laughs> I would actually be dragged to church the next morning. Right. So it's like Saturday, Sunday morning, 8 a.m. And I'm like, oh, like <laughs> just like at church, like dying, like I'm so tired. You, you talked yeah. about losing your friend, um, Emery. And, mm-hmm. and it's one of those where I think where I was pulled deeper into the podcast party cruise is that we in, if, if we're being truthful and honest with ourselves in this in this authentic world, we all have lost friends due to situations that we could have controlled, but we did not. And I think that because Emery reminds me of friends that I've lost. And, and so that's how mm-hmm. I'm following your podcast, because I want to know how your reaction acting in adult shoes yeah so so actually like you know emery i i didn't know emery when i was in the scene and the friend that i lost um he was his name was hector and yeah he was um someone who was in the scene with me when i was in it in high school um and then you know i went to college and i got older and like we all did you know but you know he stayed he would he would go to parties and stuff um and i was just like you know really personally affected by it that i kind of just didn't want to hear about the scene anymore um but when i found out about emory's case in 2020 i think for me um you know i i was pulled back and i i think it was because you know she was a girl like me mm-hmm. you know at that time like a teen girl and i and I remember all like all the things I was looking for, right? I was looking for freedom. I was looking for um, just like-minded people. I, I think I, I think of those things. And sometimes I'm just like, when I started looking into her story and I'm like, you know, maybe this is all Emery wanted too. And, you know, something tragic happened to her. And yeah, like you said, I, I see a lot of my, like I see a lot of, I see Emery and a lot of my friends, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that's something that came to mind when I first heard her case, specifically Emery's case. And because of the way she was spoken or, or written about or reported on was really tied to the scene. And I just like wanted to understand like why, why is she so tied to the scene and it's making it look so negative and I just didn't like, I, I mean, I knew the, I knew what the dangers were, right? Like I knew that it wasn't perfect, but I was just like, why, like, would they, if I was, you know, if I was like, you know, killed, like, would they talk about me in this way too? Like, I think I had all those questions going into it. And I think that's what really why I wanted to look into her case. I, I really wanted to share her story in a different light. Uh, 
those things were important to me when I heard about her. But you know what's scary, Janice? It's when people stop talking about you. That to me is scary. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you're talking about Emery, it, it, you know, and the, the thing about it is, is that the media and until I got became a broadcaster, I had no idea what clickbait was. I had no idea how much yeah. that they does. They want to have that negative news and they're, they're going to yeah. find that those little things. So to bring out Emery's story today, take it off the front page and tell us the real story. Now we've got a journey that we can grow from. Yeah. You know, I I 100% agree. I think, um, you know, I think that's like the benefit, you know, and I think a lot about my friends like you know, in media and you're in, you're in media. So like, you know, it's all, we all different, have different ways to tell a story. Right. Mm -hmm. And a lot of my friends who do work in like different outlets, they work in like news and maybe it's like a lot smaller stories. And I think I really just got lucky that I was able to explore this in eight episodes, you know, and like really dive in and, and kind of, you know, write this out it's very like narrative and i and i feel like the that's why we have you know media that's like this you know so we have documentaries because we really can dive in as opposed to it being like a two-minute story and i think that's i mean that's what something that i love about like what i do like i love diving in i love kind of exploring i love like thinking through and i like the listener to do it with me so true. So true. I mean, that's mm-hmm. I, if I didn't have that that ability to go in there and do research, I think I'd go totally insane yeah. because it's fun that when you find that lifeline and you go, oh, I'm feeding off this. I'm going to go in there. I'm going to mm-hmm. dig deeper. And it's it's almost like you, you have to ask the questions, then question the answers. And you do that brilliantly. Thank you. Thank you. And I think, you know, I had a really great team around me. I actually worked with two people, Antonia Serigido as an editor and Sofia Polisacar, who I worked with at Latina USA, my previous um, job before Vice, mm-hmm. and I just felt really comfortable with their edits. And I think, you know, um, for me, it was really important to work with people I had worked with in the past. And it just happened like the collaboration with Elias Studios just happened to work out that way. And I feel really grateful because I was able to, you know, really gonna kind of get into a vulnerable place and they were very respectful and I think I just felt really safe with them to explore and now you know it's out in the world and I'm like ah but um you know I was able to be vulnerable and like get edited and I think that's always been hard for me I'm usually a reporter and I don't know I I, I sometimes write stories where I'm in it but I think this one was a little different because it's so personal Mm -hmm. at the same time as I'm reporting on this culture that I was a part of subculture that I was a part of um but yeah Okay, from one editor to another, and and hopefully listeners will tap into this because so many people do tap into the podcasting shows, and that is, is that do you have to allow yourself to ferment the story of the sounds that you collected so that you can disconnect from it because it is so personal? And then when you go in there as the editor, you're going in there thinking like a listener. Yeah, you know, I think, um, I think I like, I think I just had the story in my head yeah. and I was like, how is it going to come out? You know? And then I, like, you know, I, I kind of map it out for my, you know, the team, I map it out for the editor and senior producer. And then we work together with all the interviews we have. Um, and sometimes, you know, the reporting just keeps going as we're writing and sometimes we get new interviews and then we have to restructure things. Um, but yeah, I, I think like, you know, when we listen, as like when we edit, because we do a lot of group edits, we, you know, I write it, we construct it on Pro Tools, it's, it's ready to be listened to, mm-hmm. and then we hear it. And I think that's when we get to listen to it as a listener and like, you know, kind of, you know, say this part's too long, cut, like this part isn't working, I need to explain this more. Like, and I think 
you know, I'm glad we get to do that because, you know, when you're in it and it's a script, you kind of don't hear it because it's a podcast. Right. And I think once it's brought to life, you're just like, I guess, like a movie editor or any kind of visual right editor or any kind of list editor um, that isn't like, well, I guess you could do that with an article, too. But, um, yeah, it's just a lot of editing. Right. It's a lot of taking out and you're like, OK, like take myself out of it now. Let me let me make sure that the person can follow along because I know what's going on, but I need to make sure everyone else does. You, you made the radio guy in me giggle a little bit when, when, you, when you said Pro Tools because Pro Tools never <laughs> oh, yeah. came to radio. We, you know, it's like, oh, oh, that, really? yeah, oh no, 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 no. I, look, I just need to get in there, drop my tracks and get out. All right. And so, in pro, yeah. <laughs> so when you said Pro Tools, I'm going, oh, I, she came from a different different side of the yeah. journalistic world. <laughs> I know the, the elders, uh, no, the, the people who were in like audio and podcasting well not podcasting but like narrative audio before me used to like cut tape with like oh yeah uh, razor or oh, something that's me. yeah that's it, was, me. <laughs> it was a big thing yeah i always heard about cutting tape and i'm like wow you guys made stories of cutting tape that way like i was amazed <laughs> we have it easy now i mean pro tools is like you know we just like find the find the timestamp and cut that's it that's it yeah so when you guys were accused of being a gang i know that when all of a sudden we were labeled south side that really offended me because all of a sudden it's like I'm not one of them I don't want to be one of them I'm not the south side what did you go through yeah so you know I hadn't really you know when I was a teen I I hadn't really thought about that I I wasn't following the news to be honest I was like doing my own thing I was like 16 and looking back now at all the um, you know footage now and then you know thankfully like we were able to access a UCLA archive and you know, they, they let us use some of their audio that they have in their archive, which, you know, it was so hard to find. Things from 2004 aren't really digitized <laughs> and put on YouTube. We were, we were able to find one news story on Emory, but there were multiple. And, you know, thanks to them, we were really able to um, just use a lot of news from that time. Um, yeah. So, like, you know, I, I started to learn that, um, you know, police were labeling them as yeah. gangs. Like police were kind of like, you know, they weren't saying it. It was really hard for me because I, I started to pick up on that and I didn't find any proof. Like I had couldn't find documents where they would write gangs or anything like that. I know the gang unit was involved, but, I, you know, I didn't I couldn't find anything like that. And then I finally heard an LAPD. I don't know if it was officer or captain say like party crews are like hispanic turf gangs Mm -hmm. and i was like like i knew i kind of thought that it picked up and all the all the word choices right like all the the tactics and i think for me i was really like i was just really like i was like a little i wasn't surprised but i was just like wow like this is something that like I don't know. I, you know, you're just so in your own bubble when you're young and you don't know how the world's looking at you. And I think like learning that for me, I'm just like, okay, like you guys, I mean, I, you know, like I said, it wasn't perfect. Like it wasn't a perfect scene. You know, there was, there was violence. Um, but it isn't like, you know, it isn't like a gang by nature. Like it isn't like a, a, I don't want to say traditional gang, but it isn't that. Um, and it was like adjacent, you know, I think people like, especially guys, maybe would like kind of find a home within party crews. And these were neighborhoods where they were like trying to get recruited for gangs, you know. And um, they did find like some kind of family with the party crews and like were able to like maybe not go that route. 
but then they're being labeled gangs anyway. So I think that was like kind of the hard thing for, you know, just the kids who were in the scene and people who look back now. Wow, you've got to come back to this show anytime in the future. I love your story, ta- your storytelling ability and capability, and you, you just you just know how to bring it forward. That's that Gracie speaking, isn't it? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, you, yeah, no, I, I'm glad. You be brilliant today, okay? Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Hey, Arrow. <laughs> yes. How many uh, are we, how many uh, wax pens, pencils did you go through while doing the splicing of the tapes? Oh my God! It was you know the, we went through them. Le- wax it, it, pencils? Yeah. yeah if you yeah. could find them, if you could find them. More importantly, <laughs> it was like if you did not remember to clean the heads, and th- and that's such yep. a radio term. Then all of a sudden you would get <laughs> and you would have a whole entire project done. I was so I really briefly I was t- so when I was in college they were teaching us that I didn't learn a digital aspect of it until I got into radio. Wow, <laughs> that's the funny part. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's, how, that's how I'm like I used to have a wax pencil and I always, well being yeah. from the Bronx I always had to keep keep a switchblade around on me so yeah, yeah. it was easy for me to just be like, like alright yeah I'm good uh-huh, I'm, we're good <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> Thanks, so true <laughs> you guys have a brilliant day okay thank you right. have a great morning bye